gonna be a big, big, big show today. I'll tell you why. We've got Bitcoin over 17,000. I'm gonna show you why Bitcoin's over 17,000. And we're gonna decide whether this run's gonna continue or whether this chart's pretty much gonna go back down and touch the trend line again and then maybe bounce up or go underneath. We're also gonna be looking at the Sam Bankman-Fried interview, but we're not gonna be looking at the same Sam Bankman-Fried interview that everybody else is watching because, I mean, I think Andrew Sorkin did a good job, but that's not the one I wanna watch. I wanna watch one that's much, 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 much worse. In fact, so much worse that it does something like this. So listen to this. I do want to move on, but just, just finally on yep. this. This is really a yes or no question. Yep. Carolyn Ellison says you knew that FTX funds were being funneled to Alameda. Did you know that? I knew that there is an open margin position there and that that involved. I know, but that's not what I'm borrow. asking. <laughs> if she's in court and you're in court and she's under oath and you're under yep. oath and you're asked, did you know? that these funds were being funneled to Alameda, what is your answer? I did not know that there is any improper uh, use of customer funds. You also took out a $1 billion. Okay, so we're going to look at that interview. And then later on in the show, our good friend James from Invest Answers is going to join us. And we're going to help you guys build the ultimate 2023 portfolio and how we're going to do that is i'm going to put my portfolio down he's going to put his portfolio down and then we're going to bash it out together and eventually we're going to come out with one portfolio that's going to be the ultimate 2023 portfolio so today's going to be a massive show let's get out of bed guys get the fuck out of bed bitch go <laughs> we caught Kyle wearing his gym vest in his house today. That's what you just saw there. Welcome back, guys. Uh, good to see you guys again. There's going to be a massive show here today. Jeez, there's so much going on. It's a bit of down the markets, that's for sure. I saw GMX hitting some recent highs. You got Matic up 6.2%. Phantom is up 6.2%. Uh, and just a better day overall. I mean, that's the Bitcoin chart over 17,000 which is great if you think about where we've come from. Here's the GMX chart. GMX was earlier on as high as about $53, $54, now back at $50. And uh, I mean, if you look at the markets, let's look at the traditional markets. You've got the traditional markets having a whopper of a day yesterday, and that is because of Powell's speech. So we're going to be looking at all of that. We're going to be looking at the Sam Bankman-Fried interviews, and then we're also going to be building the ultimate 2023 portfolio with our friend James uh, from Invest Answers. So how, how we're going to do that is we have a portfolio. We're going to, uh, you have a run portfolio, you have a James portfolio, and we're going to hash it out to decide what the portfolio should look like. And then at the end of it, we're going to send the spreadsheet out and you guys can build your own portfolio. So lots to do today. And also, by the way, at the end of the show, we're going to give people 
the opportunity to win either a run or a James portfolio. Five people will get the opportunity to win either a run or a James portfolio. And I'll tell you guys what you have to do to win that uh, run or James portfolio. So going to be a big show today. Uh, what I need you, I'm going to try and bring you as much alpha as we can in the shortest amount of time. What I need you guys to do, as usual, subscribe to our channel, subscribe to James's channel, smash the like button, get the show out there, and um, be part of the best community in the world. That's really, really, really all you need to do. Cool. So let's get the show on the road. Let's start. Um, this is where we're at. This is where we're at. Markets are flying. NASDAQ is at the, the December futures are 12,000. Bitcoin is over 17,000. And the reason why all of this is happening is because of what Powell did yesterday. So Powell came out last night and people were expecting to be hawkish. And he was dovish. He was really, really, really dovish. It was surprisingly dovish. In fact, he was so dovish, he was so optimistic that the NASDAQ jumped up by 5% in one day because of what Powell had to say. So what was it that actually got the, the markets going? So I got some clips for you from Powell's speech. The first question he was asked, he was asked about inflation and, and whether he believes the inflation numbers. And this is what he replied. While the October inflation data received so far showed a welcome surprise to the downside, these are a single month's data, which followed upside surprises over the previous two months. As figure one makes clear, down months in the data have often been followed by renewed increases. It will take substantially more evidence to give comfort that inflation is actually declining. And by any standard, inflation remains far too high. For purposes of this discussion, I'll... So he says, look, we're still got inflation. We've had a couple of good months, but he says the numbers can jump up. Later on, he talks about when inflation will actually come down. So let's listen to that. Move sideways. So when will inflation come down? I could answer this question by pointing to the inflation forecasts of private forecasters or of FOMC participants, which broadly show a significant decline over the next year. But forecasts have, predict have, forecasts have been predicting just such a decline for more than a year, while inflation has moved stubbornly sideways. The truth is that the path ahead for inflation remains highly uncertain. For now, let's put aside the forecasts and look instead to the macroeconomic conditions we think we need to see to bring inflation down to two. Okay, so he's saying, look, the forecasters have been calling inflation down, but inflation hasn't come down all this time. The part that really, really turned the market, and this is when the, the markets actually started running, was near the end. And um, I'm going to take you there. It was about at about here, 16 minutes. And this is the part that really set the markets on fire. After our November meeting, we noted that we anticipated that Ongoing rate increases will be appropriate in order to attain a policy stance that is sufficiently restrictive to move inflation down to 2% over time. Monetary policy affects the economy and inflation with uncertain lags, <clears throat> and the full effects of our rapid tightening so far are yet to be felt. Thus, it makes sense to moderate the pace of our rate increases as we approach the level of restraint that will be sufficient to bring inflation down. The time for moderating the pace of rate increases may come as soon as the December meeting, Given our, our progress in tightening policy, the timing of that moderation is far less significant than the questions of how much further we will need to raise rates to control inflation. So what he said is, he basically said, look, the time to stop increasing interest rates by 75 basis points and maybe start um, increasing interest rates by less than 75 basis points may be as soon as December. And when he said that, the first chart that I went to 
was this chart over here, because this is a chart that shows us what the probabilities or what the market is pricing in for a 50 basis point rate hike over here and a 75 basis point rate hike over here. And you can see that that, that stat, which was yesterday about 60-40, is now 81% for a, a, seven, a 50 basis point rate hike in December and a 18.2% for a 75 basis point rate hike in December. And that's what the, excited the markets. What the market saw this as, the market saw this as a pivot. It says, look, they were very aggressive. They're pivoting now to be less aggressive. They're not cutting interest rates yet, but they are becoming less aggressive. And a lot of commentators came out of that and said, you know what, maybe, maybe, maybe inflation is under control. And maybe, maybe, maybe we've seen the worst. And maybe, maybe, maybe we are going to see this soft-ish landing that Powell promised us. That's what got the markets running. And I guess that's probably the best Christmas gift that Powell could have given us. I mean, we'll have to wait until the FOMC meeting on the 14th of December, but I don't think we're going to get much more of a Christmas gift. But with that in mind, what I thought we needed to do was actually start positioning our portfolios for 2023. So you guys know that on Twitter, I've been publishing a whole lot of portfolios. Um, and a lot of you have asked me to do a show on portfolios and to help you guys position yourselves uh, for your portfolios in 2023. So unlike, let me just get back to here. So, so unlike how we've done it every other year, uh, every other time we've done a portfolio, what I thought I'd do is I'd bring on James from Invest Answers and we'd have a discussion around what tokens to put into our portfolios. Um, and so I think it'll be a, a joint effort here. We'll create a James portfolio. We'll create a run portfolio. At the end of it, you'll tell me which one you want to win, a James portfolio or run portfolio. And five lucky subscribers to our channel and James's channel. So you've got to be subscribed to both channels. And you've got to do a couple of other things, which I'll tell you in a couple of seconds. Um, if you want to win the portfolios, five of you will win portfolios. And you can choose which portfolio you want to win. So this is going to be amazing. James, my friend, how are you? Very good. How are you? Isn't it 6.15 where you are, bro? Pardon? Isn't it 6.15 in the morning? Yes, it's early and I've been up since <laughs> way before that. You and I have been texting back and forth, so no, I've, got, I've got my coffee. <laughs> you woke up early, bro. I think, I think you sent me the first text about, was it four hours ago? Yeah. Three yeah. hours ago. Yeah. I had to prepare for this. <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable. Listen, I'm glad to have you here. Um, I think the purpose behind today is to really talk about how to build a portfolio and whether now is the right time to start positioning yourself and starting to build your portfolio. So I think before we start, yesterday we saw Powell speaking. We saw him being less aggressive and a lot of people saw that as a pivot. The question is, did you see that as a pivot? And with that in mind, whatever your answer is, do you think that now is a good time to be buying into a crypto portfolio, which you're going to hold for the next one to two years? Definitely. I like to talk of it like 500 days, but... Uh... The markets, as people always say, are very forward-looking, and this was kind of priced in for quite some time. In fact, at his last meeting, he did hint at the 50 basis points. And, you know, technically a pivot is a 180-degree turn, but some people construe it as a slowdown being a pivot. People take anything right now, but really it's a swivel. Uh, but that slowdown is good. Uh, they see they, they have their own problems in their own bank, as it were, uh, managing a whole bunch of stuff. So they, they, they feel the pain like the real estate market feels the pain, like the rest of the world. In fact, I analyzed all the global economies yesterday, and I think 25% of them have already cut rates. So uh, it's just a matter of time. And the market doesn't wait for the full pivot to happen. It front runs it. And that's what people sometimes don't forget. 
Okay, so so would you be if you were sitting on the sidelines and you had five thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, one thousand dollars, and you wanted to start building a crypto portfolio? Question is, would you start allocating now? Well, I spent the last probably twenty four hours looking at the top two hundred cryptos. And first of all, I looked at them from kind of what I call an ATR perspective. How far are they off the bottom? How far are they from the top? What's the upside? What does the chart look like? Then I look at the fundamentals, uh, which ones are the best, leaders in their category, et cetera. And uh, I think we're going to go through a lot of them and a lot of questions, but absolutely, yes. I'm, I'm looking at many, many names that are just literally bouncing along the bottom and have been. Uh, so that's kind of interesting because when things have bottomed out, I know people can say, well, something's fallen 90%. It can fall another 90%. That's possible. But some of these names have solid fundamentals. So I believe uh, there's not much downside from here. You know, waiting for the absolute bottom, if we're not already there, like I thought 17.5 mistakenly was the bottom. I did not anticipate the FTX black swan like many others. Um, but that took us down to that 15.5 level, and we're getting close back to that 17.5 level. Uh, so, yeah, we are, we are close now. If another black swan hits, you know, we could go back down. But I think when you look at things like Bitcoin, anybody who wanted to sell has sold. sold yeah. And there's a lot of people on the sideline waiting to grab some. But they're, they're waiting for the 10,000, the 12,000, the 3,500, all those numbers that you've heard many times yourself. So, so you know what? I, I mean, I, I think I agree with you. I think that crypto has seen a number of black swan events. We've seen the great unleveraging. And I think short of a Binance collapsing or a Tether collapsing, which is would be, I mean, the biggest black swan event ever. I kind of think to myself that, A, we've seen enough black swans that have shaken out anybody that wants to sell. And there's the kind of like no one left to sell. And someone said it the other day. I, I quoted a tweet. I can't remember whose tweet that was. But he said, What's left in crypto is a bunch of retard holders. These are people that are retards and they're not selling at any, um, at, any, uh, at any price. And I kind of think that for me, look, I don't know if it's the bottom. I'm not good at picking bottoms because I'm optimistic about the technology. I know that the market is low enough for me to actually start deploying the last of the capital that I have to deploy. I don't think I'm going to get an opportunity like this in a, in a long time. And so that's why I thought we should do the show and actually start deploying. In terms of deploying, I've created an eight-point checklist that I think the audience needs to consider before they allocate to any token. I think we've kind of agreed on this, but feel free to add onto this checklist. So I said, the first question that you've got to ask yourself, you've got to ask yourself all these questions, and then you've got to decide how many of these do you want to be positive? So the first one I asked is, will the token be able to survive a prolonged bear market? And that means do they have enough funding, is, do they have enough runway? If this bear market continues for another year or two years, I'm, I'm not sure how long this bear market is going to continue, but do they have enough funding to survive a prolonged bear market? Second question that I asked is, can the token achieve network effects? Because ultimately here you're, you're investing in tokens, in networks, and if you are investing in networks, you've got to make sure that every additional user to the network adds value to the network exponentially. Because some tokens can never, ever, ever achieve network effects. They just can't. What we, want to, what we want to find is we want to find the ones that actually can achieve network effects. Next thing is, if the, if the network can achieve network effects, 
is the platform actually growing in terms of users? Because remember, network effect is a function of increased number of users and every user adding value to the network exponentially. So we want to make sure that the platform can is actually growing in transactions. Next question, is the platform decentralized? And if it's not decentralized, that's okay. But is there a clear plan to decentralize the platform? Because what we've realized now is that if it's not decentralized, it's probably not going to make it in a decentralized world. Well, then the next question is, is there a need for this kind of platform? Is there an actual need? Like some people create platforms that there's no need for. Does this solve a problem and is there a need for it? Next one, is there a strong team and strong developer activity? So do we trust that there's enough developers building enough cool shit on this platform? Then are the tokenomics good? Because if the tokenomics are bad and you, and you buy a token, you could drown in token releases. And you don't want to be drowning in token releases. And then lastly, I said, well, how, what is the fully diluted valuation of this token? So that's how I evaluate a token. And I'm going to apply this test to each and every token that I add to my portfolio. Wondering if on your side, there's anything that you want to add to this. And no, some of those categories actually include a number of things. So it's, it's completely fine. Okay, so let's bear in mind that we're going to keep coming back to this questionnaire. And with that in mind, let's look at, we've, over the last two days, we've selected a whole lot of different tokens. Um, I've made a list of them here. Uh, I'm happy if the audience wants to add in more tokens, but ultimately you've got Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, BNB, Cardano, Avalanche, Phantom, Algorand. You've got Nier, you've got Aptos, you've got Cosmos, you've got Polygon, you've got Optimism, Awe, Filecoin, Chainlink, Dogecoin, Uniswap, Curve, um, Injective, DYDX, GMX, GNS, Aave, Thorchain, Stargate, uh, The Graph, Helium, Chili's, Vulcan Forge is a gaming token, Immutable X, Render, Gala Games, Ultra, and Engine Coin. Now, I'm happy to keep adding, and I'm happy to keep adding tokens if there's any other tokens that we've missed here. But what I've tried to do here is I've tried to put this in such a way that we cover all the sectors that I think are going to win. So you've got store of value, smart contract layer one, file storage, payments, you've got oracles, you've got DeFi and DEXs, you've got cross-chain exposure, you've got infrastructure exposure, you've got gaming, social, metaverse, and it really covers all the, the, um, the verticals that we think are going to be successful. And then the question is, I think, the debate is, where should we allocate and how much should we actually allocate? How does that sound? Excellent. All right, so let's go. So first of all, let's start off with Bitcoin. Um, it's in the category of store of value. And the question is, what percentage of our portfolios would we allocate to Bitcoin? I don't think we need to talk too much about why we're adding Bitcoin to our portfolio. Suffice to say that it's got network effects. It ticks all the boxes. Um, you've allocated in your portfolio, you've allocated 20%. I've allocated 15%. So I think it's kind of there or thereabouts. So not, not much discussion required here, right? Yeah. There's one thing I would like to say, though, before we get started, because this is a, a point-in-time portfolio, and I want the audience to remember that it is not reflective of my existing portfolio. This is kind of, I think you might say, a YOLO portfolio at this point in time, looking forward over the next 500 days. So, fair to say? Yeah. You agree? It's I think, not I think six I, months I ago think or six I, months from now. I think I agree. Um, so people are saying, so I agree with you. This is right now today, if I had $10,000 and I was coming into the market, how would I spend the money? Um, all right. So 
Bitcoin, you said 20%, I said 15%. Ethereum, I don't think you can ignore Ethereum. I, I personally think that Ethereum is going to be bigger than Bitcoin at some point. Uh, I've allocated 15%, you've allocated 30%. So you've gone heavier on Ethereum than you've gone on Bitcoin, right? Yeah, and I want to explain why that is. Like normally, like currently today, I am in full disclosure, I am, you know, 80%, 81% Bitcoin. I'm about 12, 13% Ethereum, but 5% Solana. And that's kind of my existing portfolio in full disclosure. What I'm doing here is because this is kind of like a higher risk portfolio, a YOLO portfolio, I have my safe bags. So half is given to things that I don't think will go down or have much downside. Everything else beyond here is further out the risk curve. Okay, more risk, more reward. And that's kind of the game that I'm playing with this portfolio and the allocations represent that. Amazing, okay. Agree. Okay, let's go to the next one because I think this one is is where it gets interesting. A lot of people have written off Solana. A lot of people have said, you know, because Sam Bankman Fried's or the, the now the liquidators of FTX own such a big uh, portion of the tokens, and there's no more FTX. We have we've both got Solana quite high up our list. I've got seven and a half percent of my portfolio on Solana. You putting your biggest allocation, your biggest, biggest, biggest allocation into Solana. Talk to me about your thinking. So, um, you know, I started uh, accumulating Solana back in March 2021. I was looking for that so-called ETH killer. Uh, back then, it was the exact same price or actually a little less than it is today. It was like 10, 12 bucks. Um, back in June 2021, June 22nd, 2021, it was $20. So if you look at where it is now, say 14 approximately, uh, we are not... We are higher than we were during the bull run, and we are, you know, under where we were in June 2022. The problem people have with Solana is it ran so fast, so hard because of the Alameda manipulation. And that's why, because it's so far off the all-time high, and because now people are losing confidence, things like DeFi got smashed completely. People are concerned that they're going to run out of money. Uh, but just, I analyze this data daily, and I'm watching... Where it bottomed, DeFi is still hurting, but things like um, NFTs, daily active users, all the other activities are still there. It hasn't died. It's been hit. As I say, it's got a black eye and a broken ankle. Will it recover? I fundamentally believe, yes, it will. And I still look at it compared to you know, tokenomics, distance from all-time low, distance from all-time high, uh, the runway that they have, everything else. I cannot find something better. So that's why I'm taking this risk with this portfolio. But again, my existing portfolio is very, very different. So I want to make that perfectly clear to the audience. This is not financial advice. This is this is a game between you and me, Ran, and see what this portfolio looks like a month from now. Yeah, well, a month, every month from now, but ultimately yep. it's 500. Look, I agree with you. I think Solana's come under too much pressure. Um, because of the Alameda and FTX debacle. I think it's been oversold. I think if you look at the fundamentals, it's still the most usable blockchain out there. Uh, I think it is, the, I just showed the NFT numbers, which are the numbers that are, that are sitting over here. You can see the, the volumes, you can see the volumes actually exploding. And so I think that you can't write Solana off and that's why I've given it one of my biggest, biggest, biggest allocations. So I'm gonna go to the next one. Uh, the next one that we put here is BNB chain. 
Now, a lot of people write off BNB chain. I see you also haven't allocated anything to BNB chain on your allocation. I allocated 5% of my portfolio into it. I want to show you why I allocated 5% and then tell me whether you think, whether you, I mean, you can change your mind if you want. Um, the reason why I allocated 5% to BNB is I looked at the number of active addresses, daily active addresses. And if you look at the top of the number of daily active addresses, the number one chain is actually the BSE chain in terms of daily active addresses. The number two chain fluctuates between Ethereum and Solana. So you can see that the green line over here is Solana uh, and the, the blue line is, is Ethereum. And then the fourth is Polygon. So with that in mind, I kind of said, look, you, you can't ignore BSE chain. But if you want to ignore BSE chain, you can't ignore BNB the exchange. And so you got, you're kind of getting exposure to both. And so I thought, hold on, this is a play both on exchange and a chain and that's why I allocated capital to it. Yeah. And the reason I didn't, and I agree with you there, the reason I didn't is because it's weathered the bear winter very well. And I'm looking for dramatic upside. I don't think I'm going to get that dramatic upside from BNB. That's why I didn't allocate. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're looking at upside. Okay. <laughs> let's carry on. At the end of it, I may make some changes. You also feel free to make some changes. Uh, Cardano. So neither of us allocated to Cardano. Tell me why you didn't allocate to Cardano. The valuation on, if you look at the market cap per daily active user, it's off the charts. Um, that's Agreed. a simple reason. Agree. Agree. Look, I think that they've got a very interesting technological approach. I think they're taking way too long. Um, I think that it could work, but it's taking way too long. The other thing that, that worries me is that I don't see a lot of VCs investing behind Cardano. I, I see... I see Charles and a whole lot of others, but I don't see the same spend as we have behind, I don't know, a, a Solana or an Ethereum or a aromatic Polygon. That said, I may allocate some to it later. I want to just see how the rest goes. Uh, let's actually jump to the rest. Let's go to Avalanche. So Avalanche, neither of us allocated anything to Avalanche. Keen to, see, to listen to why you didn't allocate anything to, to Avalanche. Well, I have a, a new leaf uh, on YouTube. I'm not going to say bad things about anything anymore. It's just not worth it. Um, put it this way, uh, based on tokenomics, daily active users, growth, breadth of dApps, uh, you name it, current valuation, I found more value in other names, and I've chosen those instead. It was like I look at the top 20 layer ones, and I pick the top three. That's it. I think I agree with you. I think I'm not, there's nothing more to add to that. Uh, next one, Phantom. I put 5% of my portfolio. You put 3% of your portfolio. My big question is, would you have still put 3% of your portfolio into that before Andre wrote the Medium article uh, two or three days ago? So before Andre came out with that and showed that they got 30 years of runway left, would you still have put 3 or 5% of your portfolio into it? I put 5, you put 3 I probably would have put 1%, but the fact that he's back, I think every chain needs kind of a figurehead leader. I think you said something similar very recently as well. And giving the market confidence and the fact that he is back in the wings and he is a great technologist, that gives me hope. That means it's worth a flutter like you would do on the World Cup soccer. Yeah, well, I'm going to do it on, on the World Cup soccer later. Um <laughs> Let's talk about Algorand. So Algorand had their conference in Dubai. I wasn't there, but I heard it was pretty impressive. I didn't allocate anything to it. You didn't allocate anything to it. What, what, what do you think? What's your thinking there? Again, uh, go to Masari and look at the big holders. 
and that's that'll give you the answer. I, I, I you know, the decentralization means many, many different things. But what I do not like to see in a chain is when the top one percent owns greater than nineteen ninety five percent. That that scares me. Like you see that with the utility tokens, you see that with CRO, you see that with FTT, etc. And you know where that goes. So I just don't like big bad bag holders i like things to be more spread out across many users and names like cardano does a very good job at that giving them some credit okay cool good 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 call let's go to near protocol um i think you didn't allocate anything to near protocol i put five percent of my portfolio into near protocol tell me why you didn't put anything there tokenomics very strictly tokenomics um i do not like their inflation i do not like the project centralization i do not like the insider distribution and I do not like the percentage circulation, that type of stuff. It's all a, a tokenomic story for me. Also, when you look at Near, same thing on a market cap per daily active user. It's way weaker than some of the other layer ones. Yeah, look, I, I was looking at this chart over here, and I saw that you know if you go down the number of active users uh, after Polygon, it's it's Near Protocol. I I joined. I was at Neocon. Neocon was was good. Saw saw some impressive stuff. So I'm putting some of my portfolio into. Um, into Near Protocol. All right, the new one, Aptos. Um, Ex-Facebook, neither of us have allocated. Tell you why I didn't allocate. Because I think that crypto is 50% about, no, I think crypto is about 25% about technology and 75% about religion. And I think these guys have done a very, very, very poor job of building a community. I think that they, they to me, they stand for everything that is not crypto. They feel like Silicon Valley VCs that are trying to keep it very, very, very centralized. They're not out in the market. They're not building community. And to me, that's not crypto. And I, I just don't want to play that game. What do you think? They've built a contrived community. And uh, what I was looking for, so if, if I look at the evolution of layer ones, for example, the technology has come in leaps and bounds. If you look at what proof of history has done, that is truly a quantum leap for layer one technology. I didn't find any quantum leap from Aptos. It was kind of like a me too play. So I was looking for that magic sauce, didn't find it, no reason to allocate. Plus, as you say correctly, Silicon Valley VC game, we've seen how that plays out. Nobody wants to play with that anymore. Love it. So none of us are allocating to Aptos yet. Um, all right, Cosmos. I think it's the best technology, yeah, but neither of us have allocated it. Why didn't you allocate it? Yeah, it's the best technology, but it's not monetized. You know, it's the same thing. It doesn't have the kind of network monetization effect that I would like from a chain. It's like yeah. everybody uses their technology, but it's like they walk into the Apple store and steal an iPhone and walk out. Exactly. <laughs> that's what Cosmos exactly. is. Exactly. So that's why I didn't do it. All right, the next one that we did is Polygon. I mean, you got to take your head off to Polygon because the one thing that they've got, look, they're a great chain. They've got great technology. If you look at the usage statistics on Polygon, which are over here, you can see Polygon in terms of daily active addresses ranks fourth, uh, just after Solana, uh, just after Ethereum. So one is BNB, two is Solana, three is Ethereum, four is Polygon. Um, their biz dev is definitely number one. And so I put 5% of my portfolio into Polygon Matic. I know I'm buying it at the top. I know I'm buying a token that's run, which is why I didn't allocate more than that. What, what do you think? Yeah, this one, you know, I identified that as the third best kind of layer one, even though it's a layer two out there because of all the metrics that we look at. Now, let's just compare this. There are things that I love about Polygon. The team are fantastic. 
partnerships are second to none. Um, that scales like a scolded cat. The whole chain works really well. But the certain things I don't like is the fact that it is very centralized. You know, the validators are capped at 100. Uh, you know, Solana has 3,000 plus. The top 100 holders uh, have 50% versus right now, I think it's less than between 10 and 20% for uh, Solana. Uh, the transactions, again, it's fast, not as fast. Daily active users, as you pointed out, um, stable coins on chain have done better um, recently because of the exodus from Solana. But Polygon is a very interesting name. It's worth having, but there's just those niggly little things I don't like that don't put it at the top of the pile for L1, okay. L2. Um, that's why I say that. I, I have allocated to it. I may reduce my allocation at the end. Uh, I want to go into the next three. Um, so the next three are optimism. Neither of us allocated anything to optimism. I didn't allocate to optimism just because I think that optimistic rollups are not as good as ZK. And so to me, I, you know, because I want to invest in, in the things that I really believe in, I kind of don't really want to invest in optimistic rollups aggressively. I did put 5% of my portfolio into Arweave. The reason why I put 5% of my portfolio into Arweave is because I believe that it's fundamental in what it does. It doesn't really have any competitors. And if I look at the growth of our weave, you can't deny that our weave is growing. Their weave is growing. I think I've got the numbers here. That's the weave. Shows you how their storage weave is growing and growing exponentially. Um, lots of blockchains backing themselves up. NFTs indexing to our weave. So I think for me, our weave was one of the big ones. I've allocated 5% of my portfolio to it. I didn't allocate anything into Filecoin. Any, any thoughts on those three? I didn't touch either. I'm not a big infrastructure player. And the reason why is although they're growing and the tokenomics for Filecoin are very good, our weave aren't bad, is because I think there's places with more upside right now. And that's the reason for skipping that one altogether. All right, you put 3% of your portfolio into Chainlink. I was going to do the same and I didn't. Why yeah, did you go? Chain, Chainlink is one of those, it's like an anchor, like Bitcoin and Ethereum. Again, no downside, lots of upside. But we saw in 2021, it didn't run like other names, which was a little bit of a concern. Uh, but it's, it's a safe play. Uh, the team know what they're doing. They have the moat. They are the leader in the space. So just to round out the portfolio, you know, I, I think you said many, many months ago, you talked about the bees, the honeybees. They float from one sector to another. And that's also important for the audience to remember. Certain periods of time, certain categories will be hot. Like we saw the metaverse run after Facebook changed their name to Meta. Yep. Uh, that could happen for oracles. That could happen for file storage. We just don't know when the bees will jump there. So I'm going to reduce uh, some of my near protocol position. I'm going to add in some chain link, just make, make a slight change. I allocated 5% to Doge. It's aggressive. The reason I did it is because I actually think Elon may do something in, on Twitter with Doge. I just, you can't write off the meme coin especially when Elon Musk says that he's very serious about it. Uh, he has teased it twice. Well, he teased it more than twice, but I mean, this is one of the tweets where, where Elon teased it. Um, there, was another, there was another tweet where, where he posted that payments and he left it free and that, that spiked Doge. I know this is risky. It goes against something that I believe in because I, I usually don't invest in things unless I really like the tech. I don't really like the tech behind Doge. But I'm, I'm putting some money down, 5% of my portfolio, just in case. Yeah, I, I skip memes altogether. I'm too conservative for that stuff. And I look at technology and development. Nothing has been done in the last six months on the chain. 
So you're making me feel bad about the, the amount that I've allocated. Oh, into one other thing is uh, Elon jokes around a lot, and that's what people don't quite understand. Uh, so you got to take everything he says with a grain of salt sometimes. All right. So the next category, I'm going to break it down into one category, and that is I'm going to call it decentralized exchanges. What we've realized of late is that we need decentralized exchanges. Oh, yeah. The decentralized exchanges are exploding whether it's a perp exchange or a spot exchange, they're all exploding. And I think you've got to have a lot of exposure to decentralized exchanges. I've put a whole lot into Uniswap. I've put some uh, exposure into Curve, into Injective. I really like Injective because it's Cosmos. So it gives you access to the whole Cosmos ecosystem. D DYDX, because they're also building on Cosmos. Then you've got uh, GMX and GNS, which are the two perpetual exchanges, which are doing really, really well. So I've allocated quite a bit of my portfolio into the decentralized exchanges, but about 15%. You've put in 2%. Yeah. Tell me your thing. Well, it's funny. I did it every year. Well, I've only been doing this for two years, but every year uh, I do a forecast what's going to be hot in 2022. And last year I said decentralized exchanges will be on fire because people are sick of paying huge fees on Coinbase, et cetera. Now that's coming to the fore, <laughs> Just, but it took a couple of black swans for that to happen. So I do believe the future is decentralized. I believe Dexas will do very well, uh, but Uniswap is kind of the original and the best, in my opinion, easiest user interface. There's a lot of copycats right now. I actually saw the Solana version that looked identical almost, um, but I just like Uniswap. Um, I think it's got the most network effect, the most users, and people go to what they know. And the value is very compelling right now here at this level. Okay, fair enough. Um, I, I like Uniswap. Uh, I think it's big. I think I, I like Curve as well. I like all the other ones as well. I'm really into these perpetual exchanges. So yeah, that's why I allocated it as I allocated. Uh, not, neither of us allocated into Aave. Oh, I meant uh, to allocate to Aave. Uh, I must have missed you're, you're it. Welcome to change. You're welcome to change. Just tell me where you want to reduce. So. Yeah, I must have forgotten that one. Um, let, me, let me think about that. But Aave is like a Uniswap, um, an extremely compelling upside from where it is right now. This thing can double from 50 to 100 in a heartbeat. We've seen it happen twice in the last six months. Um, right, so, so cut some of your other position. Are you going to cut your Bitcoin, your ETH, your Solana? What are you going to cut? Yeah, take 2% right. off Solana and dump it in. Ave. Okay, so percent and you got the uh, Ave, you got two percent of your Ave. Um two percent of your Ave. Uh he's yeah. All right. I then went into cross-chain because I really believe that cross-chain is a narrative. There's two plays in cross-chain. One is layer zero, which I really like, and there's you can't invest directly into layer zero. So the way to invest is on the DEX, which is Stargate. I want to show you something about Stargate, which I think a lot of people don't see. And it is the growth. So here's the, the chart of the growth of the transactions. Um, I want to actually, I think I had another chart somewhere. The transactions per day? That is, so this is daily transactions over here. You can kind of see the growth. But there was a growth in terms of accounts, which I had a slide somewhere. Um, the big thing about it is there is an airdrop coming, which is why everybody's signing up. But they are getting a, a, a huge um, a number of addresses. Sorry, this is Uniswap. So I don't have the chart here, but I think it does that. So I, I allocated about 5% of my portfolio to cross-chain. We then both allocated, I allocated 2.5 and you allocated 2 to the graph because it's an interesting infrastructure play, right? Yeah, graph is my version of kind of like a file coin. I'd call 
Filecoin kind of infrastructure too. Uh, but if I had to pick one on infrastructure, if you put that out as a category, I chose the graph because of upside network effects, etc. But very risky. It could stay at zero. It may not run in the next bull run, but I think it has to because it's the kind of the Google search engine of um, Ethereum chains. So I like it. Cool. Then you didn't allocate anything to Helium, Chili's. Uh, I went a little bit into gaming. I went into Vulcan Forged. I went into uh, Immutable X, which is the the uh, it's, it's a smart contract platform. I think it's layer two for um, for uh, specifically they're focusing on gaming. I went two point five percent of my portfolio into Render because Render is the Render power that's going to render the metaverse and render everything else. And I went two point five percent into Gala Games. Um, I left out Ultra. It was between Ultra and Gala Games. I went eventually. I went with Gala, but I think I might change. I think about it. And then you put two percent into Engine Coin. Tell me why you put two percent into Engine Coin. Well, that was kind of my dabble in Metaverse last year. I did get in and out of Chili's. I think over one weekend, it was a very quick situation. It went from twenty cents to forty cents. I think between, on a whole Saturday. Uh, but then it's like in and out. That's how I play these things. I know nothing about video games or gaming. I stick to what I know, but Engine Coin is my so-called metaverse play from last year, and the upside looks compelling from here. The chart as well. You know, again, I looked heavily at very little downside, most amplified upside for all of my choices. Okay. Um, we neither of us went with dot. Tell me why you didn't go with dot and tell me tell me why you didn't go with dot. Why, why didn't you go with that? Uh, usage, you know, usage. the chain, yeah. And, um, you know, it is, it is another one of those that has great technology, but again, no network effect. So far, maybe Gavin Wood with his new role, maybe that'll change, but we have to monitor that carefully. All right, so I'm going to add Kujira. And the reason why I'm adding Kujira is because it's exposure to the Cosmos ecosystem, and these guys are building fast. I'm going to put 2.5% of my portfolio into Kujira, but the problem is I need to lose 2.5% somewhere else. I'm going to lose it off Doge because you got, you made me a bit paranoid about, not paranoid, but just I think you showed me the reality of the technology behind Doge, which was super clear. So that's my portfolio, 100% uh, allocated. That's the James portfolio, 100% allocated. All right, so uh, to the viewers, you guys can put your own portfolio over here. You can just add in the numbers. And I think there's an extra extra percentage sign on the 33 for Solana. Ah, okay. There we go. That's why it's not working. There we go. Okay. And what I've done here is just to make it pretty easy for anyone who's investing is I have put in columns where you can see the dollar amount that you should be investing. All you need to do is put in what your total spend amounts. If you want to spend $5,000, just go here and press 5,000 and all of those will change. Um, if you want to spend 2000 then all of those will change. I see that, uh, okay, I'll have to fix up the, the formulas here, but that'll be when we release it, that's what's going to happen. Um, and that is pretty much the portfolio. So now the question is, in the chat, let us know whether you want to, in, whether you want to win a run portfolio or a James portfolio. Let, let's see what the guys say, whether they want a run portfolio or a James portfolio. I think it's going to be pretty close. What do you think? I'm not sure, but what's <laughs> what's interesting about this this market is, at least fundamentals sometimes don't matter. People don't look at them. It can be driven by, you know, 
mentions on Twitter or whatever as to how people make their decisions. But all my decisions are based on fundamentals and technical analysis and tokenomics and that type of stuff. So we'll see where it goes. I'm, I'm super interested and in see how this pans out over the next few months. It's very, very, very close. I'm watching it over here. It's very, very, very close. Jesus. So you see it. I mean, it's like, it's really one, one here. It's like, it's jumping between one, one. Um, listen, well, it's been, what, we, it's, what we also need to do though, is add the token amounts that we purchase for these allocations at this point in time. Yes. Because the markets are moving fast. Yeah. We'll do that. We'll, uh, we'll update the spreadsheet. Then what I'll do is I will drop this uh, link to the spreadsheet on at the bottom of this video later on today. I'll also drop it on my Twitter and James will drop it on his Twitter so you can download the spreadsheet. Uh, you can have access to, to the Google Sheet. That's the first thing. Second thing is, so we are going to give away five of these portfolios, $2,000 in each portfolio. So we're going to give away $10,000 of these portfolios. You can choose to either win a run portfolio or a James portfolio. Um, we will give away the portfolio next week, Friday. So next week, Friday is our last big banter. We'll give away five of those portfolios next week, Friday. What you need to do if you want to win those portfolios is very, very, very simple. You need to, you need to go to James's uh, channel. You need to subscribe to James's channel. You need to subscribe to our channel. You need to go to our Discord group and join our Discord group. Then in, in, in order to win one of these, you need to get into the VIP of our Discord group. And the way to get into the VIP is to open an account on any one of the exchanges that, that we support, the referral link from below, or to get a NordVPN. And if you do any of those, join the Discord, subscribe to our channel, subscribe to James' channel. Next week, Friday, we're going to give away five of these portfolios. You're going to tell us whether you want, when you win, you're going to tell us whether you want to run portfolio or James portfolio. And that's the one we're going to give to you, $2,000 per portfolio. Cool? All right, go do it. James, my friend, always love doing shows with you. Yes, always sir. The Thanks for having me on. Rationality. Thanks for out of bed at 3.30. <laughs> you're, you're a fucking legend, bro. We love you. Much love from the fam. Hey, guys. There is a link to James' channel below. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe. It is the best analytics fundamentals channel that they're out there. It's simple. It's, it's just simple as that. Buddy, we'll mm. see you soon. Okay, see you later. Bye. Amazing. I love James. I love having a guy on, man. He's just, he's just one of the smartest guys. And he's, 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 he, he works like a computer. His brain works like a computer. Um, all right, so that's portfolios. I think we've got a few minutes. And in the next few minutes, what I want to do is I want to go through a Sam Bankman-Fried interview. But I don't want to go through the Sam Bankman-Fried interview that Andrew Ross Sorkin did, because I think it was good. I think you guys watched it. I think it was good, but it wasn't so good. Um, I did like this question. What, what are your lawyers telling you right now? Uh, are, are they suggesting this is a good idea for you to be speaking? Uh, no, they are very much not. Um, I, and I, I mean, you know, the classic advice, right? Don't say anything. Uh, you know, recede into a hole. Uh, and it's not who I am. I mean, it's not who I want to be. I don't have, I, I think I have a duty to talk to people. I have a duty to explain what happened. And I think I have a duty to do everything I can to try and do what's right. If there is anything I can do to, to try and help customers out here. And uh, I don't see what good is accomplished by me just sitting locked, uh, you know, it, it, you know, in a room, pretending the outside world doesn't exist. Look how he's sh shaking right and shivering. And that's probably a good sign that he's, I don't know, on Adderall or whatever he's on. Anyway, he left and get this. Everybody here and he just defrauded people of $8 billion. Engaging in it at a 
the time in truth when I know you've been advised not to. So thank you so very, very much. Um, thank you. A round of applause. Can you believe it? And Same not only thing. that, like some of the biggest names in the world, like Bill Ackman, said that he thinks that SPF is telling the truth. Crazy. Anyway, so that's the first interview. But the one that I really preferred, the one, the interview that I really, really, really preferred was the interview that was done on, 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 um, on I think it was ABC. It was this interview over here. I've got to show this to you. This is absolutely, you want to talk about an interview? Here's an interview for you. Listen to this. A lot of people look at you and see Bernie Madoff. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's who I am at, at all, but I understand why they're saying that. People lost money and people lost a lot of money. And I mean, at the end of the day, look, there's a question of what happened and why and who did what, um, what caused the, the meltdown. And I think that is, reads very differently, right? When you, when you look at the classic Bernie Madoff story, there was no real business there. Oh. The whole thing, as I understand it, I think, was, was just one, one big Ponzi scheme, right? FTX, that was a real business. He was at the top of the cryptocurrency world. 30-year-old billionaire Sam Bankman-Free. Much better. You just need FTX. So the next part that I wanted to show you guys of this interview, which was crazy, is at about 1 minute 15 seconds. Listen to this. Bankruptcy. And Bankman-Free stepped down as CEO amid reports of FTX customer funds being used to pay Alameda Research creditors. This confirmed by former Alameda CEO Carolyn Ellison during an early November video meeting with employees. Alameda, the crypto trading firm also founded by Bankman Freed. ABC News reached out to Carolyn Ellison for comment, but has not heard back. One of the reasons FTX went bankrupt is because FTX deposits yep. were used to pay Alameda's creditors. Carolyn Ellison said you knew about that. Is that true? You know, best I can tell, uh, Alameda did have a big position open on, on FTX. Um, that position, uh, I think was, you know, very over collateralized uh, a year ago. There is a, a total market collapse and, you know, specifically large correlated collapse in its assets, you know, over the last month and to some extent over the last year that I, uh, you know, threatened that position quite a bit. And I think that's, you know, as best I understand, a lot of what happened then. I, I am no cryptocurrency expert. I'm no finance expert, yep. but I don't think you answered my question. So I was asked, yeah, like did you know? that FTX deposits were used to pay off Alameda creditors? Uh, I don't know of FTX deposits being used to pay off Alameda creditors. Are you, uh, which, which creditors are you referring to? Carolyn Ellison said that I mean, you all knew. I mean, at this point, at this point, it's starting to go all wrong for him. It's really, really, really starting to go all wrong. That these funds were used were put into Alameda. They were the funds owned by your depositors. So I can't speak for who knew what. You know, a lot of the customers on FTX did have, you know, borrowers either, you know, in dollars or Bitcoin or, or euros. But as you know, the FTX terms of service yep. tell the people who signed up, none of the digital assets in your account are the property of or shall be or may be loaned to FTX trading. But you're saying that happened. My understanding is a few things happened. The first is there is a margin trading facility on FTX. 
by which users can lend out funds, by which other users borrow funds. And so there are explicit cases where there is, you know, margin extended, where there is borrow lending. If yep. Alameda is borrowing the money that belongs yep. to FTX depositors, that's a bright red line, isn't it? There are a lot of cases where that's actually explicitly part of the program's and that are but happening not, not here. Here only. it says that the digital assets may not be loaned watch to this, FTX watch this, trading. Watch this, watch this. They can't be loaned out. Watch this face. I. That's there it. existed a borrow lending facility on FTX, and and I think that's probably covered. I, I don't remember exactly where, but somewhere else in the terms of service. But they'd have to approve of that. They're saying they didn't approve of it here. They're so, saying you approved of it. If you rewind to you know, the beginning of FTX, um, where you know, some customers were, you know, uh, I think, in line with sort of existing relationships that, that they've had, at least in some cases, I want to take you a bit forward. In the forward. first place, uh, I want to take you for understanding. Yeah, when you ask, there, talks about Mark Cuban. About that. Me, me. Here's what Mark Cuban has to say about that. Yep. He said, if I were him, I'd be afraid of going to jail for a long time. At the end of the day, you know, it's not my call what happens and uh, the world will judge me as it will. Are you worried about going to jail? There are a lot of things that are worrying me right now. Um, and, you know, as best as possible, I'm trying to focus on what I can do going forward to be helpful and, you know, let whatever you know regulatory and legal processes are happening play out as they will i do want to move on but just just finally on yep. this this is really a yes or no question yep carolyn ellison says you knew that ftx funds were being funneled to alameda did you know that i knew that there is an open margin position there and that that involved I know, but that's all what i'm borrow. asking <laughs> if she's in court and you're in court and she's under oath and you're under yep. oath and you're asked, did so you know no that these guy. funds were being funneled to Alameda? What is your answer? I did not know that there is any improper uh, use of customer funds. You also took out a $1 billion loan. What was that for? That was generally for reinvesting in the company. I was not for you know consumption. I, I mean, just let's just understand what happened here. He says that he took a loan from his own company to reinvest in the company. Your Honor, <laughs> objection. What, what do you, you know, say? To my knowledge, I have basically nothing left. Um, you know, basically everything I had was invested in the business. I expect I'm going to have nothing at the end of this. I think I had $100,000 left in my bank account last I checked. And I, I think I have, you know, uh, one credit card working with that right now. Earlier this summer, you thought you had what, thirty-two billion? Probably. Uh, then, lastly, they asked him, "Where did you?" It's been money? a really, it's been a really humbling fall in in a lot of ways. How do you explain the failure? Was it inattention, arrogance? Um, it's a good question. Was it unethical? Some part of it was just literal distraction. I sh really should have spent some time each day taking a step back and saying what are the most important things here, right? And like, how do I have oversight of those and make sure that I'm not losing track of those? And frankly, I did a pretty incomplete job at that. I spent a lot less time looking at assets and looking at balances and positions. 
because that's not where revenue came from. And so it, I wasn't seeing as a core business driver, obviously it was a core risk. And that was a huge mistake of mine to not think more about that. So you said one of your- Okay, so that is the, the interview. Now I remember tonight or later on today, we're gonna to be on Mario Norfolk Spaces, but we're gonna be broadcasting it onto YouTube. And I'm gonna be asking Sam a few questions myself. I think I'm gonna wear this, this hairdo later on. Um, I'm gonna be asking Sam a whole lot of questions. So what you need to do, if you wanna to go to that, is join us here, I'll show you where to go. Um, this thing make, makes it a lot easier. So you go to Mario, Mario Norfolk, um, who's running these spaces. And what you'll see is that he's got a, a SPF thing. Just, just hit this reminder and set yourself some reminders and, and do that. All right. So reminder that if you want to win one of the portfolios, what you need to do, simple. I'll make it very, very, very simple for All you. Right. So reminder that if you go to here, you have to sign up on one of the, well, you have to sign up to our Discord. Uh, subscribe to our channel, subscribe to James' channel, sign up to Discord. And then to get to the VIP of a Discord, you need to either take out a NordVPN or you need to sign up to one, any one of the exchanges. Buy, but, but get whoever, whoever you want. And you will win a run portfolio or a James portfolio. We're going to give away five of these portfolios next week before we close. Um, uh, and you got to have a Bybit account or a BitGet account to qualify for that. So we can actually put the tokens in your portfolio. So I'm going to give you guys a week to decide which portfolio you want. In the meantime, we're going to publish the spreadsheet and then you guys can see it. Um, and then very, very quickly before we go, let's look at our little betting portfolio that we had on sportsbet.io, which is our sponsor. So yesterday we took a few bets. We did okay. We did okay. So let's look at the ones that we had. We lost um, Saudi Arabia against Mexico. We said we were calling for Saudi Arabia. Mexico won. We lost, um, uh, we lost here as well. Um, we won. So... We, we won on the Argentina game. So Poland-Argentina, we won. Now, today's games, um, I, don't actually think, I, don't, I don't actually think there are any games that I want to take a, any bets on today. Let's have a look. Um, Costa, J Japan, Spain. Spain probably, probably wins. Let's take, a, let's take a $50 bet on Spain winning. Um, I'm going to place $50 here. Um, Canada, Uruguay. Sorry, Ghana, Uruguay. Hmm. I'm going to go for a draw on Ghana, Uruguay. I'm going to go for a draw on Ghana, Uruguay. I think that, I mean, it could happen. So I'm going to put $50 there. Remember, if you want to take bets on the World Cup, you can go to sportsbet.io. They accept crypto. That's why, I, that's why we got them as sponsors. Um, I, was, I, I don't want to be using my credit card to, on, on, on betting sites. That's why we, got, we actually approached them. So if you're doing it, I'm not encouraging anybody to, to actually bet if you don't bet. But if you do bet and you want to use your crypto, go to sportsbet.io. And that's it for today. We'll see you guys again much later where we will be with Mario on the spaces. We will also be reviewing um, yesterday's interview just to start that off. Until then, have fun, trade well. Let's quickly check the markets before we go. Bitcoin still over 17,000. The NASDAQ a little bit down. And... The big winners for today, all in uh, in green bubbles, GMX, Matic, Phantom. Wow, wow, wow. Let's look at Phantom. Phantom, 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 Phantom. Back, wow, back over 25.6. Congratulations to anyone who took that trade. We told you at, uh, I think, 18 cents, 19 cents. Congratulations if you guys took the trade. All right, I'll see you guys again. Remember, you've got until next week, Friday, to choose to do all the things I told you to do. And then next week, Friday, we're going to give away the portfolios. You can choose a run portfolio or you can choose a James portfolio. Spreadsheet will be out in a couple of hours. I'm just going to clean the format and I'm going to drop the link for you guys. Have fun. Trade well.
جيمس جيمس خمس دوبس وان